Stand-up comic joke it up one time. Funny. Funny. I am really sick Come of this song. On, let's talk about sex. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that make me. Let's talk about sex. Let's talk about sex. Let's talk about sets. Let's talk about sets. All right. This is the podcast, Let's Talk About Sets, with Harrison Tweed and Jeff McBride, a show where we nerd out over the finger quotes science and no finger quotes craft of stand-up comedy. Let's get started by listening to Baseball from Nate Bargatze's 2015 Comedy Central special, Full-Time Magic. And before I play this, I do want to say there was a user review on IMDb when I was looking for what year this was. It said, Full-Time Magic is simply an hour long of old school, clean, capitals, comedy. If you're looking for the run-of-the-mill Comedy Central toilet comedy, you might be bored. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I played sports growing up, though. I played, uh, played baseball, and uh, one time when I was playing, I, I get, I'm up to bat, I get walked. So I go, I take my base, I get to first base, I turn, and I look, the catcher was still holding the ball. And, he, like, he wasn't, you know, he's staring at me, almost like he's daring me to run. But like, why don't you see if you can go? I don't think you can go. And I was like, I'm going to go, all right? So I run to second. He throws it to second, overthrows second base, goes in the outfield. I run to third base. They overthrow third base. So my coach is, like, losing it, like, telling me to go home. Like, this is about to be an inside-the-park home run off a walk. <laughs> I'm about to be on Sports Center. You know, like, this is the biggest thing that's ever happened in sports. So I go. I slide. There's a play at the plate. And then the umpire goes, it was only ball three. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to I have to now get up I'm dirty for no reason apparently <laughs> I'm out of breath I gotta pick my bat up exactly where I left it it's now three balls two strikes uh, next pitch immediately strike out <laughs> immediately strike out the umpire goes now you can go <laughs> yeah you're fine I did learn something, though, that day. What I did learn was that uh, if you're confident, you can get away with quite a bit, you know? Because why didn't anybody stop me? No one stopped me. Every, no one, they knew I wasn't supposed to be going, but I was so confident about it. That, that's why the kid was holding the ball going, what? I don't, why is he, is he supposed to be doing this? And then I run to second. And it's like, well, no one's that much of an idiot. I guess I wasn't paying attention. The ball goes in the outfield. The outfield, they're not looking. They think it's a hit, you know, for all they know. And then I guess the umpire at some point realizes it and is just like, well, it's easier for me to get all the way back to him to tell me. <laughs> at least let me feel what it would feel like to get an inside the park home run off a walk. I was thinking about, too, like all the parents in the stands because, like, they, they can't hear what's going on. So they're just like watching this, and then I bat again. Like they're just like, I guess I don't understand baseball. I thought I. <laughs> it's just baseball's changed since I was a kid. You, just, uh, you go around like that, you're done. You don't have to get back up here. I don't like these new rules. <laughs> 
what a great bit. Oh, so funny. Okay. <laughs> uh, so uh, our guest today is Fumi Abe. Hi. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and our theme today is visualization. And this, this bit is full of it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Anytime you tell the story, if you can get people to see in their mind's eye what is happening in the story, you have them in the palm of your hand. And he does that so expertly. Nate, just, I mean, from the, from the, from the get go, you're on the plate with him and is so excited. Oh yeah. All right. He's, he, he made it to first base. <laughs> he just walked to first base. Yeah. It really walks you through the emotions better than anything in that. Yeah. yeah. And the best, my favorite part about this joke is that the joke is that he, you know, mistakenly, walk all four bases right but he tells it from his point of view mm-hmm. and he tells it from the player's point of view then the umpire's point of view and then his parents point of view right? yeah. and, the, and so, the people in the state just the audience in general right. so, but, so yeah. the audience I mean, yeah. right. so it's like uh you know it's the same joke but from four point of views so you mm-hmm. really like it's like a movie right yeah so yeah yeah you really get the full the the dynamic and the emotion and things like he, that. like so. inceptioned it or, yeah, I mean, I always see it. I was telling Jeff about this earlier, but to me, when you when you can tell a story like that, and then the same story, four different point of views, that's like, to me, that's like the, the combo move in Street Fighter. Yeah. You have somebody in the air and you kick them like four times. <laughs> and everyone's right? confused, but like confident in the person's decision yes, making, yes. but for different reasons. Right, there's a common thread. Really, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm imagining that Street Fighter, yeah, because they're <laughs> up in the air and then you jump up, it's sidekick, uppercut. Like, boom, boom, boom. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. Yeah, it's the best, man. It's the best. Yeah. What made you pick this bit specifically? I remember seeing him live. I don't know who he was. This is when I first started. Yeah. Um, and I saw him at Whiplash. Uh-huh. And I think he used to be in New York, but he's not based in New York anymore because yeah. I think he has a family somewhere else. But I think he's a Chicago guy. I didn't know who he was. And I saw this dude. And what's amazing about him is like when you think of like storytelling or like visualization, like the first mm-hmm. guy that pops to my head is like Dave Chappelle, like a very physical, like he's a performer, right? Nate yeah. is more like a... I mean, volumes, speaking of just volume, he's, I guess he's classified under deadpan, yeah. but just the, the way he tells it and, and the content that he's talking about, yeah. it doesn't sound deadpan to me. You know, it's very lively and stuff. Yeah. So I remember he really stuck out in front of the other comedians and I saw him tell his joke live and I, I just remember thinking like, that is genius. Like yeah. same joke, doing it four times from four different views. What an efficient way to tell a joke. Oh, you, you know? saw it on Whiplash. That yeah, day. I saw it oh, live. very cool. Yes, and then I looked it up later because I was like, who the hell is this guy? This guy mm. is, is hilarious. I like, you know? by the way, that you, uh, what you admire is its efficiency. Mm. Yes, dude. I mean, laugh for a minute, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those are the bits, actually, the visualization bits are the ones that I remember like when I'd see them live when I'd first start comedy or had or was approaching starting comedy because I hadn't seen that much stand up live and I'd see those kind of bits like I saw Gary Goldman work out this Bill Gates belittling Donald Trump bit back. This is like yeah. years ago, this yeah. 2011 or something. Mm-hmm. And he was at the Comedy Cellar. It was the first time I got in the Comedy Cellar and I saw him do it and I was like. He just did an entire like fictional conversation yep. between Bill Gates and Donald Trump. And I was like blown away. You could even do that. And then I saw on his special and I was like, oh, my God, it's even I can't. Believe. Yeah. And it's just like one of those things you can paint these pictures and that. I, I love what he did in this one because it's an actual story, mm-hmm. but he really describes it. So he puts you in that place. And I love that about vis- visualization, which is that it can help explain autobiographical stuff, but it also can um, help justify a weird premise. Like if you have a bit and you're like, 
you know, eggs taste better when I put uh, maple syrup on my feet. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking um, This isn't a real joke. And then, <laughs> by the way, don't, I would never write a joke this bad. <laughs> and then you just have this like really detailed act out or, or description of it. Then it, it they don't even have to be laughing at your initial reasoning. What they're laughing at is just the absurdity. So it can it can win over crowd members that weren't even there for your like technical opinion on something. Absolutely, and that's I, why visualizing so cool. Yeah, and I think to your point, like you remember Gary's bit from years ago, right? Oh, yeah. These are the jokes that people remember. Like yes. I, don't, I don't remember his other jokes, but I remember this one. Yeah, not because it was my favorite one, but just he put that movie in my head. Mm-hmm. And then when you when you watch a movie, you know when you when a comedian tells a joke and it touches on like multiple senses. Yeah, you don't forget it. These are the yes. Like you have jokes. I mean, I have visual jokes or like story jokes that after the shows, people always come up and be like, "I love this bit." Mm-hmm. They don't remember my other bits. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's my best bit, but they remember the one that's like that I describe the best. I actually know? find joke jokes for whatever reason, and I may be in the minority here, but I actually find them to be relatively forgettable. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and whereas when, as you said, they engage your senses like that. Mm-hmm. It's there. It's it becomes visceral instead of simply heady or intellectual. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think uh, what happens here with this bit is he turns a little league game into this cartoon and engages every. At the same time, he's doing that. He engages our emotions of like victory and defeat. Of, of the hope uh, and the joy and n- knowing we all know this isn't going to go well for him. Otherwise he wouldn't be telling this story, <laughs> but we're there with him because it's, he, he paints the picture of this little league game. Yeah. And I, what I think is really cool about it too, is he doesn't even have to use many descriptors, no. right? It's just, I hit it. I went over this direction and then he's, he's saying, the thoughts of every person, which then fleshes out the rest of it. The yeah. outfielders, the first baseman, the second baseman, the umpire, his coach, all of a sudden, and then the, and the audience, and we're there, we can see the whole thing. Right, mm-hmm. and he does this thing where um, when he's speaking on behalf of the umpire, the players, the parents watching, <laughs> so- he's himself, right? <laughs> yes. So like, he's like, oh, you can just go, or like, you can yeah. go now. That's yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, That's, yeah. But, so it's like, yeah. I, in my head, it's like a movie, but at the same time, like, I've got this, like, John Malkovich thing going. Have you seen that movie? Uh-huh. Right? So, oh, being John Malkovich. Yeah. I, I haven't seen so it. So it's oh, just like, yeah. it just looks like, for me, I'm visualizing, like, an umpire that looks like him, talking mm-hmm. to a kid that looks like him. It just yeah. a That's a good layer. point, because yeah. a lot of times, I certainly do this, I really enjoy sounding like and trying to change my face to be like whatever character I'm talking through. Yeah. He doesn't even bother to do that. He doesn't that. do it. Yeah. It's funnier. It's funnier. Even when his parents are like, I guess I don't know baseball. That's like a dumb thought that he would have. You know? uh-huh. So it's yeah, like yeah. he sort of like his spirit kind of attaches onto these external characters. And it's like, I don't know. That's, that's, that's definitely something I noticed the second time around. This time. Yeah. I pay attention to repetition a lot now because we talked about it in the Khalid episode. Mm-hmm. And now I really try to watch for it when it's used well. The word go so he says it, I think, three times up front where he's like, oh, I, you can go. And then he's then it, and then he gets the first base. I could be misremembering this. And then he's like, oh, uh, it overshot. So now you can go again. And then his <laughs> and his coach is going, go, go, go. And then and then then he brings he talks for a while. And then he brings it back, gets back there. He has to pick the bat. It's where he left it. <laughs> yeah. he to, and, and then the empire says, now you can go. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. 
strikes I like out. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> right. the, the meaning cool. of go continues to change yes. throughout the oh, bit. Yeah, that's such a good point. That's cool. Yeah, that's genius. It's genius. Wait, I wanted to touch on something because you said like joke jokes are like sometimes you find them forgettable. And I agree. I, that's mm-hmm. the same way I feel. And I've realized the people that do those, uh, jo- that do jokey jokes, like kind of like one linery shticks, uh, the, the ones that I do remember are attacks attached to a weird visualization. Like Dimitri Martin does it well. I was thinking specifically like Mitch Hedberg, those jokey jokes. I do remember because he's like, I, <laughs> I think foosball is a combination of soccer and shish kebabs. <laughs> and it's just like such a weird, yeah, I'm looking at both of those yeah, right now. Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking yeah. like, and it's like those jokes I can really sure. get on board with, but I, I'm sorry. I just, I that's thought, a very good I just point. realized that's that. No, that's Mitch. a good point yeah. is when a visualization has a, a, another example to me of a visualization joke is mm. Dimitri Martin has a joke about he's, he's, he's singing it. It's one of his singing bits. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he's like, it's cut same and same's and opposites is the name of the bit. And he yeah. goes, um, I'm sorry is the same as apologize. It's the same unless you're at a funeral. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and I visualized in my head someone saying, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's and so, so it stuck with that's me because I was imagining somebody going up to the poor yeah. people, <laughs> those survivors, <laughs> whatever, and being like, my bad. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, going back to this bit, another thing I really enjoy that he does here is a false premise is great, but uh, typically you want to have a premise that is an original observation that people can get behind. It yeah. has to ring true. And then he just says one we all kind of know, which you can get away with a lot if you're confident. Yeah, yeah. And how he says, no one stopped me. Yeah, Anyone yeah. could have stopped me. But because of his confidence, the first baseman is like, well... Nobody's this dumb, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess he's got to go. I got to throw it to second base now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they're like, "No, nobody's that much of an idiot." I mean, he's he's going all the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 I, and I, I enjoy that because he doesn't even. It's a story, but he does have a simple premise and then an act out for the premise. But the premise is buried in the middle of the story. Yeah, you're you're right because well, it's actually even after the story's been told. Mm-hmm. It's like I it was like he just tells this funny story, and he's like, and that's when I realized you can just get away yep. with anything yes, if I you're confident something. about it. Yep. He has he a realization. It's really yep, cool. Yep. And, like and, reverse engineering a bit, mm-hmm. basically. It's really cool. And I think that also uh, Patton says this in a, said this in a in a podcast, Patton and it's so Oswald, yeah, right? Patton Oswalt. Sorry, yeah, Not Sean, uh, yeah. He he says something about how. If you can have a moment in your bit where you realize something, yeah. then you really your your bit gets taken to a ne- the next level. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, I think it does something else. Uh, if you just say "I know this thing," people kind of go, "Oh, really? Yeah, uh, you're gonna preach at me now?" But if you say "I realize this." Then you, there's a humility that says, I didn't get this until yeah. this moment. Yeah, yeah. And now I, I think I, like I learned that. something. That's and then cool. people will be like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll learn something with you. <laughs> I also have learned, and I, I try to do this and I forget to do this. When you're creating a visualization, it's so much more effective if you can see it. Mm-hmm. 
You know, if you're seeing it in your mind's eye and describing what you're seeing, it's so much more effective than reciting words that you wrote down to describe the thing. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, that's why it's hard because, like, like Chappelle will do a lot of, like, fictional stories, you Mm -hmm. know? I mean, Louis does it, too. He says it on podcasts. Like, he's like, I lie all the time or whatever. Or embellish, I guess, you know, which I do, too. But if it's based on some sort of truth, it's always a lot easier because you remember that original feeling, the way it made you feel if you're frustrated or if you're Mm -hmm. angry or something. And that's where everything sort of... For him, you know, it was confusion. Yes. And and disappointment. Yes. And, like, this, like, weird... He just went through, like, a whole story arc, you know? Like, he thought he was going to be on SportsCenter. And then (laughs) he got back to home base and they're like, you can go now, you know? So, like, zero to 100, back to zero, you know? And it makes me wonder, like, somebody who's as far along as Louis or Chappelle... Are they, is their, is their imagination so strong that they are visualizing the fiction that they've created? Yeah. Or, I mean, I think, like, it's one of those where, you know, you see something happen. Like, I'm sure you guys have this, like, you're on a bus or something, and you see something interesting happen, and you kind of giggle to yourself, mm-hmm. and you start thinking, like, well, what if that, this happened instead, and these two characters were in the scenario? Mm-hmm. And it's so, like, it's based on reality, but that's not exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think that's how fictional stuff kind of forms. You know, it's not like... Yeah. Like, all, the... even the stuff Louis doing, or even uh, Dave Chappelle's, you know, jerking off in a bus bit, right? Mm-hmm. He yeah. probably saw... I mean, I don't know how he wrote it, but he probably saw something uh-huh. that inspired that whole thing you yeah know? like like it wasn't just like well let me, let me put a guy masturbating on a bus he probably saw someone on the bus do something crazy the truth of it is is the essence of whatever it is there's some kernel some truth they're getting at some funny element and then they build the structure around it to serve that one kernel of truth mm-hmm. like louis louis bit about being in the courtyard of his very fantastically luxurious mm. apartment in New York. Yeah. And he looks like a ratty homeless guy cause it's Sunday and he hasn't put any effort in. And then the guy comes over yeah. to him and, you know, and, and tries to tell him he should, he needs to leave and he pretends to be homeless. homeless. He pretends like, I, I just want to, I don't know. I don't live here. I just, yeah, yeah. can I stay for another five hours? <laughs> and, and so that, that what happens in that thing is, he goes through this whole rigmarole, but I, I heard an earlier version of that live that's not on the special where he admits none of that happened. And yeah. he, and what happened was he wanted to say all those things, but he was too much of a yeah. chicken shit yeah, to yeah, actually yeah, yeah, do yeah. it. And he dropped that explanation for the special. Oh, did he? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think um, it works better better as a true story. I don't know. I well, loved it when he told us he was lying to oh, us. Oh, it's just like a throwaway at the end. Like, yeah. none of that actually Yeah, happened. yeah. I didn't. Yeah. I was too That's, much of a coward to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I realized this about what I love about visualization is that instead of, like, saying why I hate something, I can just turn that person into, a like, a side piece or, like, uh, be part of a bigger narrative in a story. Like I'd what do you rather. Mean? Oh, you can turn the part you don't like into into an element of your story. I have a bit where I suck off Hitler, and it's because. And the bit <laughs> is that the bit is like I will. It's like and you're I'm saying, Jewish. Wait, 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 you're saying that didn't happen. It didn't happen. This you one of my dig up, <laughs> You didn't dig up his his bones, and no, then wow. no, I fucked his corpse and no. like get a micro penis in real life, so I can't. It, I couldn't have fucked. And him. it would have been unless they <laughs> mummified him. It would have been decomposed by yeah. now. So I don't believe your story. No, no, it's not. It's one of my only fictional stories. I um, did uh, give uh, Morrissey t-shirts 
tickets to Lions, though. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, no, but the it's like about I'm not I am Jewish, but I like look goy basically, and it's like Hitler would fuck me like, and it's a whole bit where I seduce Hitler and I suck him off, and at the end, right, he's like I'm about to come, and I I whisper I'm a Jew, and then the joke is that he comes harder. Because I bet me and Hitler have a lot in common and that we both come hardest when the orgasm goes against everything we believe in. <laughs> and I, I like tacking that on because I like the idea that just generally these people that are very uppity about sex often have the craziest fetishes. Uh. And I just like, it's like I can put that opinion into the smallest, most nonsensical story it, like at the very end. And it's like... By the way, this is like a crumb of my opinion, but you don't even you don't even see it because it's covered yeah, in my yeah, cum. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> Hitler's cum. It's Hitler's cum, I guess. But I I love doing that. I yes. would rather do that. I I there's something that bothers me when I go to an open mic, and it and it's a lot of younger comics that do this. But when they're like like this guy said this, and it's like fuck you, you idiot, and it's like <laughs> well that's the of laziest, course you can make fun the, of that guy behind his joke. back. Yeah, this is dumb. Uh, is the, the laziest angle. So right? dumb, yeah. but I like. You can still make fun of that guy. Just find a creative way to do it. And visualization is the best way to do that. Yeah. I think, in my that's opinion, funny. covered in cum. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, let's talk about sex. Let's introduce our guest. Yeah. So our guest today is Fumi Abe. How do you say your full name? Masafumi Abe. I love it. It's one of my favorite when names. When I met you, I went by Masafumi Abe. Yes. Remember that? Yeah. yeah. Masafumi Abe. And so it just rolls off the tongue. All right. Well, uh, have to make that sound. Fumi Abe. <laughs> <laughs> you like that suffix? <laughs> All right. Fumi Abe is a Japanese-American stand-up comedian based in New York City by way of Columbus, Ohio. He has performed in clubs such as The Stand, Broadway Comedy Club, Caroline's on Broadway, Funny Bone, Laugh Factory, as well as alternative comedy venues including UCB, The People's Improv Theater, and The Annoyance Theater. In 2017, Fumi was selected as a semifinalist at the stand-up NBC competition. This just happened, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, in addition, he has performed at various comedy festivals across the country, including the Comedy Exposition, Hell Yes Fest, Cinderblock Festival, Devil Cup, Laughing Devil, and Snub Fest. And aside from stand-up, Fumi was recently featured on MTV Decoded and Seriously TV, and is the co-founder of the sketch group Hack City Comedy. Welcome to the show, Fumi. Thank you so much. I didn't realize you're gonna read all that. That uh, must be, sound like an asshole. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> that's what people will get. What an asshole. <laughs> People were probably like, eh, I, I was thinking about skipping this episode. I don't want to listen to one with such a dick. <laughs> that's, such a, that's a good resume, bro. It's great, dude. You're a, yeah, working, bu- you're a working boy. Yeah. Thank you. That's awesome, man. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's, let's back up, though. Uh, I always like to ask this. Like, why, for you, why stand up? For me, why stand up? Yeah. Um, I've always liked comedy. I was a big comedy nerd. Mm. You know, I, when I was younger, like, I would watch a lot of like, Def Jam videos and stuff. Uh, which is really yeah, but that's why I like black comedians. Fuck yeah! I don't know if that's like, like a. Like am I allowed to say that? <laughs> yeah, no, you're allowed well, to say you like black comedians. I mean, I just like I've always just admired, I like that. I th- I just think because it was my first exposure to real stand. Yeah, I just like that style of. What do you like about it? Uh, it, it's never like, um, I mean, obviously I like, you know, the one confident, boisterous. 
It's just like you can say anything. It's kind of like going back to Nate's thing. It's like they're just so confident. Mm-hmm. And they're like, if you really listen, like a lot of times they're not really saying anything important or interesting. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. just the way they're saying it is like it, it really just teaches you a lot about like presentation. Yeah. And like charisma and mm-hmm. like just, um, I mean, it's visual, visualization to an extent, you know, it's like you're just, you're connecting with the I, audience. I think it's the best visual. It's the quickest visualization. It, it doesn't need even like a very strong premise. And then it's like supported with this. Real, I just watched, uh, it was recent. I watched it, the, the bit wasn't recent, but I recently watched Chris Tucker on uh deaf comedy jam do he was like, I love Michael Jackson. What if Michael Jackson was a pimp? That's literally, that's right. all he did. And then it was like, slow down, Tito. Slow down. Bitch, where's my money? And then it's right, just like right, this right. long act out where he like fight, he like is hitting her through Michael Jackson yeah, moves. I mean, I guess it's like a very, very simple, not deep premise. No, and then shallow. Just does, so two seconds of premise and then like a minute of. And the crowd is going fucking right. bonker. Like right. it is incredible act out. And so. For you, you're watching this, you're young. Like, what about it got to you? I mean, when I was younger watching this, it was just on, like, Comedy Central or BT or something. I didn't pay attention to who they were, per se. I just were listening to their jokes and stuff. Uh, but then when I was, like, when I was in middle school or whatever, like, I, was, I really got into Chappelle. And he's not necessarily Def Jam, but I don't know. I just like that um, you could just stand up there and just like you don't have to have anything, you know. Like I was, <laughs> I was in a band at the time, and like I just remember, like I mean, I love, I still love music and stuff, but like if you're in a band, you're gonna like have a lot of equipment. You're always buying like different guitars or pedals and stuff like that. Oh, that's what you mean, like there. you don't have to have a lot up there. I thought I, I oh, was no, like, I, mean, I was like, like equipment wise, I, I thought you meant like depth, and I was like, there's lots of no, depth. No, no, no. <laughs> I just meant like from a logistic standpoint, oh, okay. it's like it's like so raw, you know, yeah. it's just you. It's, it's just you and your mind up there. So you're a kid. You're watching Def Jam stuff. You're yeah. you're you you see this style of comedy. At what point did you go? I want to do that. So not then, uh, not for a while. I mean, I was probably like ten or eleven, twelve when I was. Where are you from, by the way? Let me. Columbus, just... Columbus, Ohio. Nama, is there a big stand-up scene out there? I don't know. Probably not. I don't think so. I, think I didn't so start either. there. I, started... I think that's a thing, right? Do you think this is a thing, Jeff? That you don't realize till maybe college sometimes if you're from a town without stand-up that you can even do it mm-hmm. until you see I mean, a comedy we, club. We had a funny bone. I just didn't know what it was really. I was like, oh, people do comedy. And I don't know. It just it was never like a reality to me until right. like, I graduated college. I didn't know huh. you could just – I don't know anyone could do that. I When I first saw Dave Chappelle on like uh, doing stand-up, I just thought all those people like him, Louie, I thought they were all like theater majors. Mm-hmm. And I thought they like studied stand-up comedy in college. Like, that's, yeah. right. that's how like – uh, of a black box it was to me like i had no idea what this was i was like oh clearly these are like actors and they yeah. like wrote, wrote these jokes the black or box to me too i was in montana i yeah. didn't know forever so it wasn't until i was i mean i started when i was 24 but it wasn't until i saw an open mic whether i didn't go see one i was just hanging out with some friends and an open mic happened around me it ruined our evening that's when i first saw it. i was like oh you could just sign up and do this like yeah so i didn't really know the reality i love that until. statement wait 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 you go it happened around it ruined our evening it ruined our evening <laughs> <laughs> yeah I we was do like, that all the time you know what we've done mics where there's like real people i was the real people when i was just hanging out with some friends and i was like why like dicks. <laughs> yeah you're doing jokes about strippers and stuff and i'm like what the fuck is this and yeah. then, but then i was like i'd been into comedy i'd been the seller a couple times by that time and mm. i was like and i i asked the bartender i was like can you just can anyone just do this like yeah and i was like is it every week and she's like yeah so i just came back the next week and i signed up and then that's kind of when i did started. you write for yes it? i did and mm-hmm. i think um from 
not necessarily that week but like i think probably like end of college because like, i was always like in high school i was making like funny videos with friends and stuff so i always kept like a little notepad of like funny ideas or cool. whatever yeah funny videos and so when i decided to stand up i just kind of tapped back into that and be like oh, what were some funny things i wrote down in the last you know three four years of my life or whatever and mm -hmm. i just and i the first two jokes i ever did were both they were both um like stories you know because i didn't know how to yeah. write jokes i didn't know i'm not like a misdirection kind of guy i've i still am not and because mm -hmm. those aren't the comedians i really watched you know it it's always cool watching misdirection guys but like those aren't the guys those weren't like yeah. my dudes you know yeah, yeah. so yeah i mean I, like I, I always try to go back to that you know it's like what do i that's why my favorite comedians are guys like nate and stuff because it's like it's always like it's the, like little mini stories you know mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. I, i've always sort of had an affinity towards that right and uh have you tried to incorporate misdirection since? Because it's so common in New York. That's, that's very that no, because it, I sound not excited saying it. Yeah, like oh, that's some good self awareness. Like, you know, it's like oh, then he said that, and I was like, Dad, like I hate that. I hate that. Oh, it, it's that, that's not who I am. Oh, punchline misdirection kind no. of bums me. I like but premise always, but misdirection. Premise misdirection? Con what do you, oh, conceptual. Let's, let, wait, wait, oh, let's like, define all this. Let's define yeah, yeah, all this. Yeah, so, yeah, good point. So when you are talking about misdirection, what specifically do I'm you I'm talking mean? about like punchlines, right? Isn't mm -hmm. that what you guys were talking about? Yeah. Well, I've, I've heard it used both ways. I've heard it what be like... What are you like, talking about, Harrison? So it, pun, premise misdirection? Premise misdirection, I think, is different, which is... Uh, oh, like the Mark Norman, like, just came back from the gay parade, still sore. Oh, that's a perfect way to put right. it. That's uh, great. He but, does. He does. That, well, that's kind of a joke, but that's also a punchline. But that's like a, a premise punchline, and then he has a real joke about the gay parade. But he. he I guess it is a punchline, but it's about to be explained further, like yeah. deeper misdirection. Whereas, like, what do you mean? Like, uh, not deeper, because uh, the bit I'm about to. I'm I'm using my own bit to reference this. Okay. My my bit is I'm 27, and it's weird to be 27. Because, and it's a weird for a lot of people, a lot of you all, because I'm talking to the audience, a lot of you all are going through the same thing I am because we've never had this experience. We've never had a president that doesn't eat pussy. And then mm. that is going to be a long bit that, and that joke up top, that's like a, a little bit of a joke, but I don't even need people to laugh at that joke for the joke. That's like part of it to work. I don't know. You don't see it coming though. Right. I don't know what the technical term is, but you're doing that to keep people interested in your premise, right? Yeah. I call those like booster jokes. I don't think that's what they're called, but well, you know, like in Mario Kart, when you hit like that. But I think people are thinking I'm going to say, you like, call that a booster joke. That's what I just call uh, it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because, joke. because your premise is long and you want people to listen. So you mm -hmm. like, like, here's something funny. Keep listening. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's just what it is. Yes, you know? It is the point of the joke. Yeah, like, but you have I'm a joke not, after that. Yeah, but it, I, I'm explaining my concept. In other yeah. words, the introduction of the premise yeah. has a joke within it. But and, don't you think, like, if I'm about, if I'm like, I'm 27, it's weird. You think I might be like, my friends are getting married or my mm -hmm. friend just had a baby. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm like, all my friends are moving to the suburb. Like, right. I, it would go. You're allowing people to make an assumption. Anymore. That's a weird. You're allowing people to make an assumption yeah. by, about what is weird about being 27 and yeah. assuming that it's some stock thing. Yeah. And instead, then you go to this very specific thing that they would have never come up with. And it, then you'll, you might get a laugh off of that. You might not. Yeah. yeah. It's least amusing it, it usually works as a joke mm -hmm. and but it's not like ah ha, 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 yeah right it's, right. it's like away. it's like oh yeah 
Yeah, right. yeah, and then I explain it. Mm-hmm. I dig. I really like that 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 name you have for it. I like well, booster not, joke that's because not, that's not yeah. industry oh, term. Yeah, I know that. Well, everybody has their look. 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 Hold on. Comet every, bit. Every booster com- joke. Yeah. Everybody has Who their calls own it? theory. Who calls it comet bit? That's hilarious. What's a a comet thing? bit was something that Casey James Salengo said, oh, and it was okay. referencing bits that have a large emotional component to them, and they're great, and they. They 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 flame out really fast. Mm. Unfortunately, comets don't actually do that. <laughs> <laughs> Meteors do that. Yeah. <laughs> but he called I didn't it. Even a- know the difference <laughs> of those. So that, yeah. I had to look it up afterwards. Yeah. I was like, I don't think that's right. <laughs> but it's so catchy. Meteor bit kind of sounds yeah, it, a little bit. Weird. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. I like comet. Yeah, yeah alliteration. He's yeah. got a half Let hour. He's it. doing fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeff, this uh, is why <laughs> he's making it. And he's got an album. <laughs> Fuck. All right, we okay. gotta get our. So uh, <laughs> let's let's do this. Uh, by the way, but I just want to put an end cap on that. I love that booster bit, a uh, booster yeah. booster joke because we do do that. We know, God, this is a long setup. I need to get into it. I have to communicate these four things. So I need at least two punchlines in here while I'm communicating this, so I can get to the joke I want right, to get right. to. I have a good analogy for a booster bit. And why it works better than bits that don't n- not do this nice little slow, slow build. It's like, do you remember Mario Kart? Did you play Mario Kart? Yeah. yeah. Remember the people that play Mario Kart and when it's like, dang, 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 like when it goes green and right. you start the oh, race. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the yeah, people yeah. that just held on the engine yeah. Yeah. before it started? And what would... Sorry. Yeah. And what would happen is their car would flame out because yes, they'd be yes. over eager too early. Yes, and then yes, the yes. people that are like... They nailed it just right. It. I'm not going to touch it. Boom. Boom. You just zoom out of the... Out yeah, of the yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like... It's just like, just take your motherfucking time, dude. You got all day for this. I, I, we talked to the Khalid about this yeah. too. It's like these jokes where you really... um you're really like easing the crowd into it, but you're also like easing yourself into it. You're like, let's not go too fast. We know it's going to be funny. We don't need to overdo anything. Mm-hmm. Let's just go at the pace that we know and it will work and just being comfortable in that. I agree with that. And I love those, but you got to be careful because if you're doing a short set, you can't do, you can't open with that. You know what I mean? Nope. That's a joke you can do after you earn their trust as a funny comedian. Dude, so I, closer, I, I hate yours. I fucked yes. that up over and over and over again. Uh, all of Almost all of my stuff is relatively complex and has a lot of pieces to bring together because yeah. that's what makes me laugh. And uh, so <laughs> I don't earn their trust. And then they just stare at me like, we were hoping you would make us laugh in the first 30 seconds. You didn't. I'm over you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm trying to learn to fix that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. a big push. <laughs> hey, let's uh, let's play a bit by Fumi. Yeah, let's do it. Do you have anything you want to say about this bit before we go? This is on the theme of visualization, and uh, this is a true story of when I saw a Beyonce concert when I was in Tokyo <laughs> back in like 2009 or something. I went with my sister, and uh, it was like the first time I went to a concert in a different country before. And you can learn a lot about. I mean, I don't say this in the bit, but like, <laughs> they're so polite, you know, Japanese people. Like, <laughs> like, you know, here, like, if you go to like Lollapalooza or something, and Beyonce is on stage, she's talking. People are like, ah, you know, yeah, yeah, dude. The second she starts talking, it is silent because people are like, "What is she saying? What is she saying?" Oh my god! Because they don't want to be rude, right? So it's like <laughs> just the volume contrast is so <laughs> fucking funny. Like uh, that is really. But funny. That, that that that's what inspired this whole thing. Is like, okay, like you put an American artist in a different country, yeah, yeah, different cultural values. What is that? How does that play out? So this is like a joke about that. Uh, Great. Okay, so this bit is called Beyonce in Tokyo. It's by Fumiabe. It's recorded at Caroline's right here in New York. 
Um, I don't think bands like a concert like in other country, but sometimes it's interesting because like uh, you know they don't always speak the language and stuff. There's some miscommunication that happens, right? Like people in Japan like they don't speak English or understand slang, so like there was some like interesting disconnect happened, right? Like I'll never forget how Beyonce started the concert. I swear to God, she comes out with her dress, all the lights. She comes out to the stadium. She points at everybody in the crowd. She goes, "What up, Tokyo? I want all the naughty fouls in the crowd to make some noise." And the whole concert is just silent. <laughs> <laughs> because nobody knows what she's saying, okay? Dude, imagine a sea of Asians staring at Beyonce like, ah, I'm not sure if I am a naughty fella, Beyonce. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> she's like panicking, man, because she's never gotten that kind of reaction before. She tried, she tried to talk to everybody again. She's like, okay, now I want all the single ladies now to put your hands in the air. But this time all the Japanese people just felt awkward, so everybody put their hands in the air. <laughs> What she did is she gave the girl in the front row the microphones so they could sing that song together. But obviously this chick had a really Asian accent. And like, I don't know if you guys ever tried to sing a Beyonce song with an Asian accent. But that is the most disrespectful thing you can do. Okay? Dude, like single ladies just turned into Shin Lulu ladies. You know what I'm saying? And accents, they completely change the song. You know what I mean? Because like single ladies, that's a song about an independent woman. But Shin Lulu ladies, that is a song about a sad Japanese widow. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's great. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right, why did you why did you pick this bit? <laughs> uh, well, on the talk of, uh, on the topic of visualization, you know, <laughs> I try to sort of build this story about <laughs> witnessing Beyonce's concert in Tokyo <laughs> and the different sort of how her crowd work is just completely failing. Yeah. You know, a lot of the disconnect that's happening. And she tries like three <laughs> different times and I try to like up the stakes each time, you mm -hmm. know. And at the end, I kind of, you know, I, I do that whole like the Japanese accent thing. But then I also, <laughs> I like to provide like my take on it, which is like, it, it's really funny singing it in a different accent because it sounds like a different song. Could you say that again, the single ladies? Shinguru ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Accent's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny. It's just, you know what? I, I've talked to people about this. I don't, when people are like, that's racist when you laugh it's not, at it. It's, it's not so frustrating. It's like, no, it's because we don't hear that ever, right. and now we hear it. It's right, a right, right. sound still. Right. Sure, if someone sure. goes, and you don't hear, you don't usually hear farts in everyday conversations. And when you do, it's funny. Right, right. I, I, I love that comparison. It's, it's like a, a sound. Fart. It's <laughs> a sound. It really is a string together of sounds. Also, right, right. also I mean, she it's just that <laughs> I don't know how we do that. know how we've been trained to talk. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, so it gets to the point where it's expected that this is how these sounds work. And then when you hear someone say the same words and it's not the way we've been trained, it strikes us as funny because it's unexpected. Sure, sure. And, and there's no hatred there no. for most people. And you can tell when there is hatred there. So visualization. <laughs> okay, so you you selected that bit about Beyonce, mm -hmm. um, and you saw it when you're describing it. When you're doing this bit, um, are you seeing the uh, that moment in your in your mind's eye again? Yes. Yeah, so obviously, I've, I've embellished the story, but the first punchline, I guess, is true. Like she did say, like, "Where are my fellas at?" or something, and like nobody answered. Like, <laughs> my sister and I thought that was just the funniest thing. It's like a fucking Beyonce concert. Like she's yeah. a mega star. Like yeah. she's talking to you. You know? Yeah. We're like what? Like 
people just didn't know what fellas were because that's like a slang. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I mean that. So that's where it came from. So, that's, uh-huh. so, so I am, I am imagining that, you know. And then I said, like, then I just thought, like, okay, what if she continued to talk to them? Because she got the hint and she stopped talking to us, yeah. which was so funny. She's like, okay, I'm not gonna do more crowd work. That's, <laughs> and also, like, what an interesting, quick, quick bomb. Like, oh, like yeah. <laughs> you, you didn't. I didn't think she that, tanks. Like, yeah, that, I mean, that's uh, what the joke used to be about. But I was like, oh, people don't really understand bombing, so I, I kind of stopped that. But um, it was just funny watching, like. This mega pop star just like bombing <laughs> yeah. on stage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Expecting to pump the crowd up yeah. and the crowd just blinks. I can't believe her, like, her manager or agent was like, by the way, just don't talk to them at all. Oh, sure. just, I they mean, she won't can't understand the, the way she you're... She could not have been the first international pop star to You're from Houston, Bay. Right. This is not Houston. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know what you also brought up for me, just like, because um, I'm a big Michael Jackson fan, so I've watched some of his like like tours from like the eighties and nineties in like Bucharest and all these like awesome European cities. And it's really funny cause I've watched uh two back to back and yours thing does it sums it up perfectly. And I think you might be able to tack this on to it, like this idea, which I watched one from Bucharest, which is uh, I forget which country that is. Um, it's an, but it's like Europeans like sweating and crying and passing out like literally ambulances are taking his fans away because they're like, they're getting too crazy. They're yeah, too yeah, drugged yeah. out and in love with him. And <laughs> then it goes to Tokyo and it's him performing bad. And it's just Japanese people being <laughs> just clapping just falling slowly while he's just dancing his heart out <laughs> right 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 and right. just the co- it's like that those two continents are right there right they're right. really close <laughs> all right well let's play another bit this bit is maria bamford performs stand-up and it's on the late show with stephen colbert and this was published in 2016 Oh, I picked it because um, this is not like a story like Nate's. Uh, it's not really a story like yours either. What it is is she's just talking about what her friend wants her to do and what her husband wants her to do. And she explains why she does something or doesn't want to do something through a st- weird, absurd visual. Okay. And I just like how she did And it's very quick because it's Marie Bamford. So it's like bang, bang, bang. You guys, it's 2016, and I really need to find a way to show people how much I love them, despite all my words and actions. (laughs) My beloved husband has noticed that I like to tear open packages of food, take caps off beverages, and leave it out and around. And he said very kindly, very sweetly, why? (laughs) And I said, because I'm a raccoon. (laughs) I need to get in there. Get what's good. Be on my way. (laughs) Oh, but what if it goes bad? What if you get sick? Were you not listening when I just mentioned that I'm a raccoon? (laughs) I can digest ceiling tile. (laughs) I just need to fill this up. Get back to the river with my friends. (laughs) Did you just bring an old salad to bed? (laughs) It's nighttime. I'm awake. We have uh, recently married, only nine months, so we've been having a lot of sex, a lot of fudging and wedging and lotions and potions and unguents and poultices and jams and jellies and sauces and salsas and mustards and custards and foams and soups and smoothing milks and hustle, bustle, hustle, bustle, hustle, bustle, hammer, anvil, hammer, anvil, hammer, anvil! <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's 
been consummated, uh, <laughs> but we've been doing some furious hand-holding, and our palms are raw with desire. <laughs> I, uh, I, I love people so much. I, I love you so much. I, I love my family so much. I love my, my niece and nephews. I say that I love them, but is that what I say when once a year I FedEx them a box of wigs? Does that really <laughs> make up for the fact that I never make eye contact and I'm still not clear on their names? <laughs> Hey, Tiny, uh, where are the bigger ones? <laughs> I have a dear friend who I know has a flip phone, and yet I continue to send her emojis of eggplants and basketballs and pieces of pizza, knowing that all she sees are squares. <laughs> <laughs> this year, my friend Amy is all trying to get me to do stuff. I'm going to try to say yes. Do you want to go horseback riding? <laughs> What is it? You go on a dusty trail with two lesbians who used to be a couple, but now they run a small business together, and horses bite. <laughs> okay, I'll go once, and I'll need a Dairy Queen peanut butter parfait on the way, way back. That's hot fudge peanuts ice cream. Hot fudge peanuts ice cream. Hot fudge peanuts ice cream. Cherry topper. You wanna go swing dancing? Are people still doing that? <laughs> the war is over. <laughs> There's plenty of pantyhose for everyone. <laughs> it's on Sundays from 2 to 4, just when you don't want to do anything, and it's side, side, back step, side, side. I'll go for three years, but that is it. <laughs> you want to go to a fitness boot camp? It's every day at 6 a.m. because they're getting you into a shape. And you run and you run and you run, and there's no game element to distract you from the fact that you're running and running and running. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go for five days. Day five, Tanya, and I know it's gonna be Tanya, is gonna say, come on, Maria, I wanna see you push it. <laughs> and I am never gonna go again. But will you forget to cancel the automatic debit coming from your checking account and pay for it for the next year and a half? <laughs> of course I will. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, Thanks so much. Uh, so fast. Oh, man. I like the, her visualization in this because it's entirely, it's almost like a montage. It's not yeah. like this one scene. It's just like little clip. It's like, I can digest ce ceiling tile. Yep, Get yep. back to the river with my friends. Yeah. <laughs> just, um, and uh, is that what I do when I FedEx them a box of wigs? Right, just right, like right, kids right. opening a box of wigs <laughs> yeah, yeah, from yeah. our aunt. <laughs> like, it's just, it's so weird. Also you guys my... laughed really hard at that. Why did that, why did that make you laugh so hard? Because such a, such a <laughs> my weird aunt, aunt gift. <laughs> you know? Not my aunt, my godmother, God uh, bless her. Uh, she's very sweet, but she sends me the weirdest gifts. Yeah. She sent me two, she sent my mom a part of a lamp and then sent me another part of that lamp. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is this a, an analogy I mean, for our love? It's, it's just a perfect. Uh, the gift describes her relate, like her distant relationship with her nephews. You know, yeah. like she doesn't know them that well, and she's so fucking weird. It's like yeah. visualization and this like beautiful word. FedEx choice. and wig just summarize <laughs> everything about you. Just, that's everything. Wigs. Everything you need to know about how they're doing. Multiple you know? wigs, yes. just lots of yeah, wigs. It, for it the does. Kids. It does explain. It's it's like right there. It's it's number one. I don't really know you. Uh, number two, uh, <laughs> I don't know what you like. Right. I know what I would like. <laughs> yeah. I also love the montage when she's talking about things her friend is trying to get her into. Yeah. And then she'll be like, 
like, are people still doing that oh, to the swing dance? dance? Like, oh, yeah. the war is over. And it just sounds <laughs> like someone's... for everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, so, which, of course, evokes the rationing that happened yeah, yeah. in World War II. So what, what I love about this in comparison to, say, your bit. So your bit, it's we're seeing this concert. We're imagining Beyonce on stage. We're imagining the sort of deadpan reaction of the crowd. It's one scene and we're there with you for a little while. With her, it's quick, rapid-fire description. Yeah. Uh, actually, really great word economy. Boom. <laughs> now you see a flash of this. Now you see a flash of this. Now you yeah. see... It's so fast. Uh-huh. Uh, you're right. It's a montage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really just like quick clips. And it's like she gets... I, I love... She's so... Her special is really... It's intense to watch. Oh, I, I watched. I couldn't f- watch the whole thing, but it's I, I so much material. Yeah, in such a. I mean, well, it's like usually in a short amount of time because I've only seen her like small sets. But to see an hour and twenty minutes of that kind of like pace, yes, it's kind of hard. Like I had to take a long yeah, break. Yeah, yeah, that's where I'm at. I couldn't like. Yeah. I was like, oh, I need a yeah. little break. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't yeah. know what's happening here. She has a moment in here where she goes, she. I, I'm not even quite sure exactly why this works. I think I know where she goes ungulates and sauces and potions and lotions. And she yeah. has this little poem of all of the hammer, anvil, yeah, and hammer, anvil. hammer, anvil, which I think is, is them finally fucking. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Yeah. Right. It's like foreplay. Yeah. And yeah. then foreplay. which is pounding all these. It's almost like a, like a, an apothecary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, right. And yeah. I, I would imagine, you know, evoking um, yeah, all of the different ex- Extra things you probably start to do as you get older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And then this simple. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It kind of reminded me of uh, that scene in Walk Hard where it's like them having sexual tension through doing everyday activities and he's sawing really hard and she's like sanding really hard at the same time and they're like sweating and like looking at it. It's just like this weird. I love sexualizing things that are not sexual. Like hammer <laughs> anvil, hammer anvil. And uh, holding it's hands. Like Puritan material. <laughs> yeah, holding hands, yeah. holding hands our, our palms are raw <laughs> yeah raw with desire so <laughs> she funny. does that she's like transforms into that voice mm-hmm. when she's playing she's, she's doing an imitation of herself but she does that like rich white lady voice yeah 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 the horse riding thing mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> Uh, even when she says, "Are we still doing that?" You know, she's like, when she—that's her. Like, she does it a lot. Yeah. You know, so it, it, that lets the audience know, like, oh, I'm playing a character of myself. That's almost like a cue. You know, also, like a the cue. Tanya, when it's like, I know it's going to be Tanya. It's like, come on, Maria, I want to see you push yeah, it. It yeah. reminds me of every gym instructor, or yes. whatever you've ever seen, and it just sums up all these emotions. She's able to, with her voices. Create visualization. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think She's that's tapping really into cool. your different everybody's memories. It's kind mm-hmm. of interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like she she can evoke this archetype with her with her emotions, where you fill in the details. Almost like if she were more specific, it would ruin it. Yeah, because you wouldn't be filling in the gaps with your own experience. Yes, yeah, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, and it's like four seconds. It's like these clips of I, yeah, of like visuals. She just gives you a a hint and or or a direction to go, and mm-hmm. you go there for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and everybody gets to do it's their own choose your own adventure for four seconds. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what my gym teacher was like. Yeah, yeah. Right. Whereas if she made it too 
too specific, aside from just that voice, then you would have to wrestle with the fact that your gym teacher wasn't exactly like that gym yeah, teacher. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's such. It's interesting. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And it's also she's also playing on the emotion or the the laughter that comes from like a raw like it, it comes from like a weird place. You don't know where it comes from when it, you're laughing at these things because they're so weird. You, and then she's on to the next thing. So you didn't have time to figure out why you laughed at that. Yeah, yeah. I'm just realizing it now after we listened to it, and I've listened to it a bunch of times, why it's so funny. Because the first time I saw it, I was like, what the fuck is go- like, oh, yeah. my God, yeah. this is so weird. <laughs> That's too much. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah, she does employ a tremendous amount of surrealism. Yeah. Where she's juxtaposing two things that don't go together. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's like her, I would say, her bread and butter. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, when she does juxtapose those things that don't go together, she still generates some sort of new meaning. Yeah. Which is that um, her explanation, instead of saying, yeah, I'm being irresponsible and lazy for leaving the caps off and ra- things unwrapped all over the place. She says, I'm a raccoon. Yeah. Now, these yeah. don't necessarily go together. And then she puts it together to show how everything she's doing is like a <laughs> raccoon. And you shouldn't be expecting her to do anything other than what a raccoon would <laughs> right, do. Right, right, it's right. nighttime. I'm awake. It's so, that doesn't even explain anything. <laughs> it's just funny. Yeah. yeah. She turns more into a raccoon with each line. You know, first it's like, didn't you just, I just told you I was a raccoon. And yeah, yeah. Sometimes she's actually making raccoon. Her explanation is just she doubles down on her first yes. one. Mm-hmm. She's like, I already told you, you idiot. Yeah. I'm a raccoon. Right, right. So it's, I'm eating, I have an old, old salad <laughs> in bed. And then she starts making the sounds that like, or I, I imagine a raccoon would make. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You can't see it in the part where she's like, I just got to fill this up. She like does a belly rub motion. Get back to the river with my friends. Like does this weird thumb motion. I just think, uh, I don't know. Also, I, she has a really quick one. I really like this one about the the lesbians who used to be a couple and now, now they were all business, business yeah. together. And you're just thinking for a quick second, you're about, oh, they're going to argue the entire ride. But you don't even get to spend any time on it. She's yeah, yeah. off to the next thing. How if she, you think she, she will never offend anyone because she'll always get to a place that's completely away from that and right absurd because so you could absurd. Or if she did be like and they're gonna argue that would be like offensive yeah but you but we filled in those yeah yeah yes. yeah so yeah. your yes. own yes. ignorance yeah. is yeah. filling yeah. in yes. the laughter yes. it's funny yes. your own assumptions yeah, create yeah. this picture that is you know the struggle but yeah, she didn't yeah. say anything about that no 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 <laughs> it's so goddamn it yeah it's so it's so much of what she does is implication i think yeah yeah uh yeah god what a great what a great pick that was yeah. fantastic it's yeah i thought i just thought it was like a different take on visualization all right so the next one i want to play this one is dave Chappelle's beating up the pussy from his 2017 <laughs> netflix special deep in the heart of texas I think this one just perfectly demonstrates and turns something into a cartoon. I think it speaks for itself. The word pussy is only offensive if you're older. People my age and younger, I don't think we even, we dance to that shit. (laughs) That song come on the radio, it's I beat the pussy up. That's on the radio, I beat the pussy up. That's a pretty harsh song. It's like nothing like a love song. There's no tracks of his tears, no midnight trains to Georgia. This man simply beats the pussy up. Unbelievable. 
You don't even know if he's having sex with these women. They might just pull their pants down. He'd be like, bah! <laughs> <laughs> Like, you'll be watching HBO. Hi, I'm Larry Merchant, standing here ringside with the pussy after a devastating bout with 50 Cent. Pussy, come over here and let me talk to you for a second. My God, you look terrible. Your lips seem to be swollen. You're bleeding a little bit. Tell me, pussy, what, what happened inside of that ring with 50 I don't know, Larry. I felt really good in the first round. I was ready to fight. It's warm and moist. And um, I don't know. If it just hit me from angles I wasn't expecting. Front, left. Backside surprised me the most. <laughs> well, pussy, let's take a look at round four. This is where it all went wrong for you. Here you come out of your corner, pussy. You fight really good. It looks like you got 50 with a right and a left, but then 50 slips your jab in there. There, right there. You see that? He punches you right on that, um, that little bean thing you have on the top of your hand. <laughs> There's 50 just pounding away at that bean over and over. Now, pussy, tell me, what goes through a fighter's mind when they're being... <laughs> I don't think I was thinking anything, Larry. You know, I'm a real good defensive fighter. It's real hard to get to me. Uh, I've never been punched directly on my bean before. As a matter of fact, most fighters don't even know that bean exists. I guess he just hit me there and I lost control of my legs. I don't know what else to tell you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. All right. Oh, oh man. God damn, that's funny. Oh, God. That's... Uh, I forgot he also follows it with a little Wayne. Ah, uh, that's so good. Too. Which is a juicy. Yeah. Pussy. But, but, okay, okay, okay. Right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. God, that's such a funny bit. I no. forgot all about that. You bit. know what? Let's talk about this one. If you want, we can play that little Wayne bit. It's so well, let's talk about this one first. Okay. One. Yeah. Just the bow. <laughs> that, like, we I, don't even know if he's having sex with these women. Maybe he's just like bow. <laughs> Oh my god, your lips are all swollen. Oh my god. So, what goes through a fighter's mind? Like, oh, that's a mate, the boxing, the boxing yeah, ring injury. I, I, I'm, oh I'm imagining a, a it's just cartoon pussy with like 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 shorts on. Yeah, I wanna oh god. just moving up and down, just yeah. like <sighs> when, he, when he does the pussy act out, he it's his voice, right? He right. doesn't try to do like a weird feminine voice. No, nope. yeah, yeah. that's what makes it funnier. Yeah. It just sounds like a, it sounds like Dave. Testosterone full. It sounds yeah. like a boxer. I mean, yeah, he sounds exactly. like he could be a boxer. Right, it's right. very, it's great. It sounds like a Chappelle show sketch, too. You can kind of hear how he could come up with sketches from the Chappelle show with his imagination. Because mm-hmm. right. I could right. literally see that being on the Chappelle show, like yeah. a guy in a vagina suit being like, hit me with the right and the left, hit me on my bean. Didn't even know the bean was there. <laughs> Most fighters <laughs> don't even know. I mean, he's a genius at this. He does it in his previous specials, like kill him, kill him softly. Almost every single joke, A, gets an applause break, but it's also like when he sets it up, people start clapping because they're like, oh, he's about to do this movie. It's like yeah, they yeah. get ready for a movie. Every yeah. single bit is like this great imagery thing. He does the same thing here. He might be the king of this. It's so good. And like, I mean, I never really thought of it from like a sketch perspective, but that's probably how he wrote the show, basically. You know, it's like everything is just, everything just plays like a clip. It's just so natural. It's so It, it is. It is. And it, what a great way to start to the pow. Uh-huh. Like that, because I mean, we're listening to it. I know what he does in the, because he does like a, basically like an uppercut. Uh-huh. And I know he's doing an uppercut yes, just yes, audibly. Yes, like yeah. it's and, crazy. And okay, couple things. First of all, this kind of goes back to our thing our, when we were talking about a premise mm-hmm. that is a misdirection itself. Yeah. Because he says, you know, pussy's only offensive <laughs> if you're older, and you think he's going to go into this whole discussion of 
is pussy offensive? Why isn't it offensive to us? Mm-hmm. But really, it's to get into this bit yeah, yeah. about about 50 cent beating up the pussy. It seems like it's going to go into a Cosby-ish angle, like an old Cosby. Like, what are these young kids doing these days? Almost. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that not in a rapey way and like his old standup. (laughs) He used to do standup. Yeah. (laughs) And also he does this weird thing where it's like he distances himself and you know, he's being facetious when he's distanced. He goes, he goes, beats up the pussy. Unbelievable. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I don't yeah. have a problem with this at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. Oh. And, 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 then, and then all of a sudden, he does it so fast. We are ringside. Mm-hmm. There is a crowd cheering. <laughs> there is a referee. There is a cartoon pussy that is, a, that is fighting. Like, yeah. fast. You're in it so fast. Uh-huh. He doesn't have to describe shit. Yeah. No. Ah, God. Oh You're right. The speed. I didn't even... So fast, we're uh-huh. already there. It's, you know? God damn. He, he, he was hitting at me at angles I didn't see coming. Yeah. The I backside mean, especially. You know, we were there because of his um, interviewer voice. That voice just, uh, I think, right? Yeah. Was yeah, it kind of white? Because I, he wasn't silly. He was like, what goes through a fighter's mind? Like, that's how people talk on ESPN, right? Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Immediately, when he talked like that, immediately, I don't even like sports. Same but, as. But he brought me there. Same yeah. as Maria Bamford. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. Uh, that's an interesting thing. Like, the, the, the the voice itself can evoke the rest of the yeah. imagery. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> he plays a lot of news anchors. I realize, like he does a lot of news yeah. anchory voice, and it's and it helps him set up his bits yeah. a lot. This is, I mean, it's very different from what Nate did. Not saying one is right or wrong, but you know, Nate doesn't do voices. This is the know? kind of visualization I like the most. I think, which is this very like you're car- making something cartoonish that you really can't talk about. You can't tell. He couldn't be like, you ever having sex, and then you notice after like uh, her labia is really swollen, and because you've been doing it really <laughs> aggressively, and you were like sucking on her clit yeah. so much, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's just like someone be like, I don't. How is this comedy at all? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like you're talking shit to me. Yeah, um, but he's just doing it like through this d- different like outlet, and it's. Right hilarious it's the sensory you know Mm -hmm. it's like how fast can you tap into my different senses he just takes a moment to map out a few things together what's it like when you know you knock a fighter out well their legs go out from underneath them yeah oh yeah well if you give a woman an orgasm (laughs) she loses control of her leg like how he maps that it's brilliant it's brilliant yeah yeah. good parallels yeah um I, that's one of the funniest things I've ever heard. <laughs> I forgot about that bit. Maybe I, maybe we, we I always, Whenever you listen to Chappelle, it's like, oh, you forget, like, oh, fuck, he's the best. Like, I watched, you know what I realized? I watched both of those specials with my girlfriend, and she's she's a big comedy fan. She loves, like, John Mulaney, and, and uh, uh, she liked Rory a lot, or likes Rory a lot. Um, she's cool. She's cool. She's cool. But like sometimes, <laughs> like really, like really, you know, overly aggressive masculine stand up, like Jim Jeffries. Mm-hmm. We saw him live. She loved him. But then she's like, I watch his specials and they're so aggressive. Like I have trouble watching them. And I get it. It's a different. But watching those with her was put me in a different mindset because I was worried about her not liking it. Kind it, it of. Isn't that funny? Yeah. When you yeah. play material that you think is really funny for somebody who you care about. Yeah. And you're like, oh, Oh shit! I get nervous. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. You're yeah. like representing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, what you think, what you think is funny, says things about you. Yeah. Which is why, like, I don't know if you've ever done a corporate event. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've done one, and it's funky because it's a, it's lit. 
so everybody can see everybody else. Yeah, yeah. And oh, like, you mean like literally? literally. Yeah, yeah. Not, <laughs> not, not like, like Chris Cheney yeah, said it. Yo, it's lit. It's lit. <laughs> it's Julian well, G. Yeah, it's Julian G. Lit. lit. It's yeah. well lit. <laughs> and uh, it's well lit. So everybody can see everybody. There's no anonymity to who's laughing to what. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then also their bosses are there. Their coworkers are there. Yeah. So people look around to see, can I laugh at this? Or what will my clients think? What will yeah. my boss think? And um, I think good uh, setup for comedy provides anonymity so you can laugh at whatever you genuinely think is funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when, when you're playing material for somebody, you're saying, I think this is funny. You're going to judge me well or badly based on this. If you laugh your head off, you're going to like me more. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and if you hate it, you're going to blame me for it. <laughs> Come on. Let's talk about sex. All right, let's do one more bit. This is an excerpt from Eggplant by Daniel Tosh from People Pleaser. You haven't heard this one, right? I haven't. Oh, okay. I have not. This, this is his newest special, right? Yeah, this is just another another funny story thing that's very mm-hmm. unique from Chappelle and Nate. The very Tosh. Um, okay. Just I don't know. It's just I'm another excited. another angle. Yeah. Uh, with this visualization thing, so. You know, it's better than tax write-offs. Keeping your money. <laughs> that's just a fun joke to tell rich people. It's not true. Uh, I work with Make a Wish all the time. That's an incredible experience uh, for me, not the kids that are dying. Yeah, they chose to hang out with me. They knew what kind of jokes I told. They were okay with it. I don't pander on stage, and I certainly don't pander off stage. And I'm telling you, honestly, these dying kids have the best sense of humor on this planet. Their parents, not so much. But I don't care. As soon as I meet them, I start giving it to them. Like, you sure you're dying? You know this is my weekend, right? Like, I'm dying. Like, all right, let's go. Don't cough on me, motherfucker. <laughs> they want to be teased like anybody else. They can handle it. Trust me. They've handled a lot worse. <laughs> this kid I was hanging out with last year, a bunch, was 17. I'm like, this is awesome that you're dying now. You got this in right under the wire. If you don't know, the organization is 18 and under. So if you're dying of cancer at 19, they're like, I hope your dreams are cheap. <laughs> If you're laughing right now, it's because you're a good person. And you realize how absurd that statement is to think that they draw a hard line. But it's funny to think they might be holding their doors shut. You can't get in, kid. You're too old. They don't even have to hold tight because the kids are so weak. Because the disease is winning. For this kid, the first thing he said when he met me was, he told me I was his third choice. And to this day, I don't know if he was fucking kidding or not. <laughs> That's not cool. I'm healthy. I'm going to live a long time. I don't need that noodling around up there. <laughs> and if it makes you feel any better at laughing at these jokes, know that he is cured and healthy now. He's not. He's dead. <laughs> but if some people need that, let them have it, right? Oh, he's okay? Oh, good. <laughs> you know me. I can't accept life. <laughs> All right. So, why did you pick this bit? <laughs> this is like a storyteller visualization, like, in a different way, because there's not that much interaction with the kids. A lot of it is just, like, v- visualization of him, like, going, you know, preparing for this um, 
Make-A-Wish Foundation event, right? Mm-hmm. So all all the thoughts he's having leading up to it, right? So it's like, first of all, he has this like, I don't care attitude, you know? It's like, mm-hmm. sure, you're sick. Don't cough on me, motherfucker. Like, <laughs> all that, all that, like, setting up, like, who he is. And he finally gets there. And, you know, he does the whole thing of uh, the door analogy, you know, like the kid, like they're yes. holding the door, but not, you don't have to hold it that hard because the weak. kids are weak <laughs> because uh, the disease, disease is, is winning. winning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, so I don't know. I think this, not so much like, I, I guess it is visualize, visualization, but it's not like super straightforward like the Chappelle bit or anything else. But it, it's more of um, visualizing like sort of his, um, the way his brain works uh, in preparation for this event that he's going to. Just the idea of Daniel Tosh in a children's hospital in like with terminally ill children being Daniel Tosh. Yes. And not backing down or just like knowing that they invited him to be that way. Right. Is the funniest thing it, in the enough world. of a contrast to definitely spark some, you know, laughs yeah, yeah, already. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. He is a punch down comic, right? He, I mean, most of what he does is yeah. it, his, his jokes really end well. badly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. it's not okay at the end. <clears throat> and so a lot of people don't like it. it. It bothers them that things aren't okay. He's sort of the epitome of dark humor in that way. Yeah. Um, and, his, and his jokes, his, his victims in his jokes tend to be people who are disadvantaged in some way. Um, yet, yet because it's his persona and they know that's what he does and that he is being a total jerk in his jokes and that they believe at some level, maybe he's a good person. It works. And here, this is one of the most extreme examples of that I've ever heard out of his mouth. (laughs) I like it. He kind of, he's also has this like weird style where it's like long form stuff. And then it's like a really quick one liner in between. And it always is punching down. Mm -hmm. The one liners are so aggressive. He has this one joke. I forget which album it's on, but it's just like uh, some people make a rain. That's when you throw cash at the hose. I like to make it hail. That's when I throw change at sluts. <laughs> it's like a quick joke. Yeah. And it's one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Of. <laughs> I just think of someone in meatpacking district just yeah, like shucking handfuls of change. I think at maybe with him, because his persona is so strong, everything yeah. seems visual. Like, I don't think this bit is like as visual if you wrote it down, but mm-hmm. just the, just his like, I don't give a fuck attitude mm-hmm. really puts his flavor on it and and you can really see him at this hospital interacting with these kids yeah him not wanting to be there and um, don't cough on me motherfucker yeah, yeah. i mean th- that sounds like something he actually said you mm-hmm. know so i think yeah this is an example of where like if you have a really strong personality almost anything that comes out of your mouth is becomes you yeah. know what he is he's a modern day don rickles yeah, yeah. That's, I would say yeah. that's accurate. Yeah, because he can get away with saying these things, and sure, he's going to lose people a lot. Yeah. There are going to be people who are um, they have certain ideas about what comedy should be or shouldn't be, yeah. and so he's in the same vein as as Don Rickles, mm-hmm. uh, and and yet what he's doing still has this sort of silly warmth to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's he's doing whatever he wants to do on stage, and. He, he doesn't back down yeah. and it's nice also you know what is also weird it's um this bit i know it's harsh because he's making fun of the kids but it also is like it's implied lightness about him as a human being that he works with these kids mm-hmm. so frequently and also um i i think what is it about it that puts us there in the hospital with him i i think Maybe one of the avenues into getting the audience to visualize something with you is to have a conversation yeah is to have both sides and have him here. I said this, then they said that. And I said, and pretty soon you fill in the scene of this, you, you fill in the details of the scene. Yeah. 
I wonder if that's another way, because um, that seems to be what he's doing here for the most part. There's not a lot of description going on. Right. I don't think he could do this bit, even if it was like a, like, I don't think he could do this bit without saying up top that he works with him. Yeah. Like that. It's like, because I think it allows him to do whatever he's like, cause he could really say if they were groaning or booing or something like, okay, why don't you go volunteer and help right, sick kids right, for a right, fucking, right, right. So and then I bet he, I bet he has yeah. some real stories that he would not do comedically where he'd like shit on them be like i watched these kids die they're like my friends and i watched them die they became my friend so like i think it is this like nice little gateway to do the material based on like that he actually is a generous person mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know if it's i think having a license is, is important you know you should like a, what? a license right so like that yeah. sentence just gives him the permission to talk about these yeah. things right that's always important totally mm-hmm. and right. and i also like how he makes fun of the crowd's sensitivity um, how he says they've they've handled a lot worse. They have really great senses of humor. I love the line. Their parents, not so, so much. much. Yeah, yeah, that's so real. That's it's so, so real. real. So fucking. Yeah. Man. I mean, and it's it is. I don't know. I think to wax philosophical for a moment. Um, I think this is one of the most beautiful things about comedy is that it allows us to feel better about awful things. <clears throat> I know. I mean. I've been through things where there's just nothing funny about it um, Mm -hmm. where with like sick family and stuff like that. But when you can make jokes and get people to laugh in those moments, everybody feels better. I love it when you can have this kind of gallows humor in that, in those moments, it, it helps us deal with the sad fact of our own mortality to be able to joke about it. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Really emotional. <laughs> uh, oh my God. A huge thanks to our guest, Fumi Abe. Thank, Thank you, you, you very me. much. Fumi has a monthly stand up show called Hack City Comedy. It's every third Wednesday at Black Cat LES. They give you free crepes. Yes, we do. Yay. First. And Hack City Comedy also has a YouTube channel. What do you guys do? What kind of sketches do you do? Just like, no, SNL style sketches. Yeah, cool. Just yeah. Videos. Check out their sketches on their, what's, and how do they get to your YouTube channel? Just, uh, well, here's a problem. We don't have enough subscribers to have our own URL. Mm-hmm. So you gotta just, you gotta just type in hack city comedy and find it. The profile. Got it. Profile. So yeah. you can, you can get there by Google. <laughs> <laughs> we just, we just need 40 more subscribers. To have our URL, so. All right, everybody go subscribe <laughs> to hack city comedy. On Slide in Fumi's DMs. <laughs> Slide in there, babies. Yeah. All right. You can follow Fumi on Instagram and Twitter. His handle is at the Fumi That's T H E F U M I A B E. Special thanks to Nate Bargatze, Dave Chappelle, Daniel Tosh, Maria Bamford, and as always, thank you to Salt and Peppa for not lawyering up to sue us out of all the money that we do not make for oh so fairly using their super duper modified and minuscule portion of their song. And a very, very special thanks to Dr. Benjamin Cerf, who uses his doctorate of economics to convince his best friend which parts of this podcast would reduce consumer demand. <laughs> Whoa, he helps me edit. That guy before. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's talk about you and right. me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that make me. Let's talk about sets. Let's talk about sets. Let's talk about sets. Let's talk about sets.